0: Welcome to Walk the Line, the podcast for people working in off-site construction, hosted by Chris Ward from Trunk.
1: Welcome back. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Emily Braham from Energy Sprong UK. Emily talks to us about a revolutionary approach for whole house refurbishment, which is manufactured offsite and delivers net zero energy solutions to the social housing sector. Enjoy the show. Emily, thanks for, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for giving up the time. I um, wonder if you could start by giving us a bit of a description of the company you work for and what you do and, and how you ended up there.
0: Hi, Chris. Thank you for inviting me on. So I work with Energy Sprong UK and we are a, a market development team and our role is is around improving the retrofit market in the UK. I'm particularly focusing on how do we create a market that works for off-site in order that we can speed up retrofit and tackle the huge challenge that is the 2050 net zero target for homes. So so our function really is, is around how do we create a net zero market that works for all of the stakeholders. And we were set up originally around six years ago based on the Energiesprong model from the Netherlands, which means energy leap in Dutch. Okay. So we're a not-for-profit, but we were set up as a partnership between social housing landlords who wanted to see a different approach to retrofit and the construction industry partners who felt like they wanted to take a different approach to retrofit. And we were set up as a team that could try and help that to happen and make the market work better for all of the stakeholders.
1: Okay so market development then is a that's a, a new arrangement to me how, how does that work in practice are you developing products are you building any products where do you get involved and where do you end on the process
0: it's really quite hard for people to grasp quite often so it's nice to have a chance to explain it so we are working with social housing organizations to build a demand in such a way that the construction industry and ideally the manufacturing industry can respond to that demand in a different way that helps us to scale retrofit to meet the UK's huge challenge of net zero housing by 2050. And for that, we've got to do two homes per minute or possibly more because every time we're not doing two homes per minute, that number goes up. And we believe that we need an industrialised retrofit sector based on off-site manufacture in order to deliver that pace of retrofit. Mm-hmm. So we've structured an approach to retrofitting, including... A business model. So we're addressing some of the challenges that exist currently in retrofit. It's a whole house retrofit model. It requires a performance guarantee. The solutions are created to achieve a performance outcome. So we've helped the landlords to develop this performance outcome that they're seeking. So the landlords don't mind what the details specification is. What they actually mind is how the home performs after it's been retrofitted. So they mind what the tenant energy bills are. That's what they care about. They care about what the maintenance is going to look like and how straightforward and how cost effective that's going to be. So they ask for an outcome that enables the construction sector and the manufacturing sector to respond in a slightly different way and to be a bit more innovative in how they meet that outcome. I see. So what we've done is we've taken a model which was developed in the Netherlands, which was this self-financing approach to retrofitting and also new builds. So improving the energy performance and the carbon performance of the home, but at no extra cost to the landlord or to the occupier. So that model existed in the Netherlands and it was developed and funded by the Dutch government who were looking at how do they get to their future targets instead of continuing to do what they do. And the model is based on the Dutch energy market, where if a home generates as much energy as it uses over a year, then there is a zero bill. So that means that the money that the tenant would have paid on their energy bills can be used to fund the cost of the retrofit. Now, in order to make sure that they actually are saving that money, a performance guarantee is required. So the performance guarantee is provided by a new role, which is called a solution provider, and the solution provider is responsible for designing and building and then guaranteeing the performance of that home over a long period nice. and not only do they guarantee the performance of the home for the tenant so they guarantee that the cost will be zero they also guarantee the maintenance will be lower for the landlords so the landlords investment budget which they would have spent over 30 years on that home anyway so they would have replaced the roof they would have replaced the windows And you're picking homes that are at the right point in the investment cycle to make sure that that works. So that budget will then be spent on the retrofit as well. And by spending the money the tenant is saving and the money the landlord is saving, you create a business case and an investment envelope that enables you to get to a net zero retrofit. I see. So in the Netherlands, this model works based on this concept of net zero on the meter, meaning if it's net zero on the meter in terms of consumption, it is a zero cost bill. So seven years ago, we took this model and said, how do we make this work in the UK? Because it tackles a load of the challenges that we see in the UK. So the challenges we're addressing with this are the business case. So I used to work in social housing as head of energy for Nottingham City Council. And I had the responsibility for working out how to bring the 26,000 homes that the City Council own up to a carbon neutral standard by 2028 in line with Nottingham's ambition to be the first carbon neutral city in the country. And we were looking at deep retrofit programs and we were looking at piecemeal retrofit programs and we were saying, what's the best way through this? And we're suffering with this stop start grant. We've got supply chain challenges where the quality isn't great. We've got huge shortages of labor and we had lots of labor from mainland Europe which is sort of exacerbated after Brexit. And we were relying on grants. So we had this boom and bust and stop and start. And there was no opportunity because of that for the supply chain to invest in actually doing anything differently. And the tenants were disrupted. It was really lengthy and it made such a mess in their houses. And typically and i'm sure a lot of the people that you have on here will talk about this the kind of the method for construction when it's on site is very slow and there's a lot of people going out and saying oh no i haven't bought these screws that i need or i haven't got this and so they then have three weeks of waiting for something to turn up that they haven't ordered and then they've got to order it it's really frustrating for the tenants and it drags on and it puts people off and you end up going out and engaging people and they say oh no it You know, it took Sue up the road. She had it going on for four months and I don't want that. So I'm not going to have this retrofit work done. Thank you very much. So we saw this model in the Netherlands and we said, actually, this addresses a lot of these issues. In order to achieve this performance guarantee in the Netherlands, they are requiring offsite manufacture. It also speeds it up completely for the residents who then know when the panels are going to be installed they're going to come in a day yeah so it kind of it tackled some of the challenges we saw in the UK it tackled all of the challenges we saw in the UK so we thought we'll pick this up and we'll do it here and we'll help the construction sector transform to be able to do this and we'll help the social housing sector transform to be able to ask for this. And that's what we've been working on for the last uh, last few years after we kind of got set up and started actually working as a market development team ourselves, realising that this wasn't just going to happen because we all said it was a great thing.
1: Okay. And what were the, challenge with the challenges then with bringing that to the UK? Did that model suit the UK pretty well? It was just sort of a snap fit or did you need to change some things? I'm thinking the, the bit you mentioned about the, the zero bill there right now, maybe Octopus might do something like that today, but maybe a few years ago that was too new for the market.
0: Yeah, so we've had a few differences that we have been working on and trying to adapt the model for the UK market. So the first one, as you say, the zero bills, it doesn't exist here. So And it seems to fluctuate. So at one point we had the feed-in tariff. So if homes were generating electricity on the roof from solar panels, obviously the payment that the occupier or the owner received was really high. And so buying electricity at 13 pence and getting 30 pence against it was fantastic for the business case. That went very quickly. And where we are now or where we've been recently is that there's been a very minor export tariff. So three pence, maybe five pence, whilst electricity import costs are rising significantly. So we're looking at 30 pence versus five pence. So even if the home generates as much electricity as the household needs, you still have an energy bill. And that energy bill fluctuates depending on when the tenant or the occupier uses their energy. So it's harder for the guarantee to be clear for the resident and everybody who's working on the project. Because mm. actually it's not it's not such a clear sum. You know, if it's zero on the meter, then it's a zero bill. That's not the case. If it's zero on the meter, it's still not a zero bill. And actually, if the tenant is using all of their electricity at night, then that bill becomes higher. So, what that means for the UK is that we have to use different technologies. So, in the Netherlands, they don't need any battery storage, for example. Right. In the UK, we do. In the way that the tenants have monitoring equipment and are able to control their electricity usage, actually that becomes more important to, to help them understand exactly how to do that in the UK as well. The octopus model is really interesting. And we've been working with Octopus and with Ilka and, and Nigel Ilka on this because the zero bills is a really good proposition for sale housing or for shared ownership, where the person that's paying for the investment actually then gets the benefit of that in terms of the lower bills. So they'll pay a premium and then they get a lower bill. One of mm. the challenges in social housing is that there is a split incentive. So the landlord pays for the cost of that work and then the resident gets all of the benefit. And whilst as social landlords, they're, they're very concerned about energy bills rising and they're very concerned about fuel poverty and making sure that people do have an affordable bill. Actually, it's not affordable to retrofit all of these homes if there isn't a way of addressing that split incentive. Yeah. So the energy spring model includes something called the comfort plan. And from a resident perspective, the resident pays a flat rate fee for their comfort. And it's a bit like a mobile phone bundle, I suppose. So they know what they get for that. They'll get, you know, heating to 21 degrees, uh, you know, sufficient hours per day for their house to keep warm. They'll get a certain amount of hot water and they'll have a certain amount of energy that they can use for plug loads, so TVs and whatever. And if they go over that, they can pay more. And if they don't use all of that, they may pay a bit less. So in, that's kind of very simple. But in the UK, on top of that, there is still an energy bill. And so what we've got to do is to work on how do we get that as low as possible? The zero bills is where that becomes really interesting, because actually if Octopus can control the equipment that we're putting into the property, so they can control the battery, they can make sure that the home is importing at the cheapest time and exporting at the time when they get the most value for it, they actually drive that residual energy cost right down And then the comfort plan, that flat rate fee for the resident becomes a much better, clearer proposition because it's not a flat rate fee plus something else, plus another cost that's sort of slightly out
1: of control. Interesting. Very interesting. Certainly with that model, that concept, I've not come across that before, but are you really sort of spearheading or breaking new ground, let's say, in terms of retrofit with this i've never heard of any other solutions like this so you've got some real unique challenges that just nobody's tackled before
0: yeah that's right and it is there's a number of different challenges so and we've been lucky enough recently to secure some Bayes funding some heat pump ready funding and that's around developing this end-to-end comfort plan proposition working with some software providers and some service providers so we're as a market development team, this isn't something we want to be involved in forever. We would like to develop the market in such a way that there are the right actors there doing the right things to make it work for everybody. Mm. Our goal was to not be needed. So, our goal is to be able to close and not be needed anymore and for things to be functioning, which is a really strange goal to have as a company. So, for this heat pump ready, for example, we are tackling regulatory challenges. We've already developed a contract, which is a consumer contract for the comfort plan. But actually, how do we make that more robust? How do we link it to the energy meter potentially? How do we look at whether that could be incorporated into rents instead? So those are some of the things we've worked through previously and toyed with. And now we've got some funding to focus specifically on some of these complexities. The other ones, as the software, how do we actually make this work in terms of operating it and how do we make that work in the best way for all of the different users of this. So the tenant or the homeowner, whoever lives in the property, and then the funder who's the landlord in a lot of cases here, but it might actually end up being a finance organisation as we start to scale. And then the solution provider as well, who needs to maintain their performance guarantee. So actually, how do we get the right data to the right people the right information to give the tenant nudges if they're going over their energy bundle, for example, and help them to stay within that. And then there's the service offering as well. So this involves the tenant paying a fee. And for the pilot projects that we've done to date in the UK, one of the barriers has been how a social housing landlord can adapt their processes in order to charge a separate fee to a resident when they're already charging them a rent and a service charge. And at the moment, if you moved it into rent and service charge, you end up in a whole different regulatory system where the rules are very different and you're governed by landlord and tenant law, which actually isn't quite right for something like an energy service fee or a comfort package. So landlords are reluctant to pick this up as something that they're going to then bill as a separate fee to the rent and the service charge. So one of the other things we're doing is looking at who can provide that service. And we're working with an organisation called Smart Club who are going to help us map that out and potentially be a service provider. Octopus is another one who may end up being a service provider, actually delivering that offer for landlords.
1: Yeah, interesting. And tell me about a little bit about the technology there. You, you touched on that there. You, you mentioned heat pumps. You mentioned batteries. Is that being the go-to set of technology for you? Is it different for different houses? Is it, you know, a case of it depends a bit?
0: Yeah, it does. It does depend a bit. In essence, what we're aiming to get to is a situation where the home is insulated to achieve a performance outcome of around thirty to forty kilowatt hours per meter squared. So that's Mm -hmm. quite high performance, and it achieves that through offsite manufacture. So we require the solution providers to deliver their solutions within 15 days on site. So they have to wrap the whole home and then they have to provide all of the energy equipment as well. So that drives the offsite manufacturer. So they insulate the property, they put a full new fabric wrap on, they have to address the floor, the roof, and then they put solar panels on the roof. And often they'll do that as an integrated solution with a new roof. And then they put an energy module. And the aim of this, again, it's around reducing disruption for tenants. It's around making it more appealing. So actually having products that people look at and say, I really want one of those. This isn't, you know, with a kitchen, people aren't having to be incentivized to have a kitchen. So why do we have to incentivize people to have retrofit? So actually, if we make these products like the Tesla of retrofit, Mm. people will say, oh, I really want one of those. So we're working with organizations who are developing energy modules And those modules contain kits such as heat pumps. They have battery storage, thermal storage, all of the controls. They're all put into a box and then that can be craned on in a day. So in the pilot projects, we have seen a variety of different things used. And it does depend on the home and it depends on the area around the home. So again, in the Netherlands, when we saw these first projects, People didn't have garden fences. There wasn't the sort of, they all had small gardens at the front and they all had space at the back. So it was quite easy for energy modules to just be dropped onto each property with a crane just going down the street. In the UK, what we find is that there's sort of very narrow alleyways or ginnels in some cases, and it means that access is more difficult or people haven't got any space. So it's been a combination of things so far. There are some external modules, there are somewhere. Parts are outside and parts are inside. And in one of the projects on the, in the Nottingham project, we've even had a communal energy centre, which was craned on in two pieces. So it was a, a whole energy centre which serves no, 39 homes now. And it has those 39 homes have been taken off-grid completely. So they only have their electricity coming from the energy centre. And within that energy centre, it's got three ground source heat pumps, three enormous thermal stores, battery storage, all of the controls. And then there are 25 boreholes in the very small front gardens and driveways of these properties that then feed the energy center.
1: Wow. That's fantastic. That's using all the tools in the toolbox there, isn't it? But, uh, but to be off grid and, you know, to go from where we were, which I always imagine would be a, a traditional housing setup in terms of its heating, you know, to there where you've got so much technology there and, and being off grid, that sounds fantastic. Sounds fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's worth saying they still have to have electricity from the grid at certain times, which is why the energy centre still has a connection, but actually the homes themselves are completely off grid. And that's, again, it's driving that sort of zero bills option because the energy centre can be controlled externally by somebody who can make sure that it's only having to buy energy at the times when energy is surplus in the grid and the rest of the time it can be a, a net exporter.
1: Fascinating. Wow. And what's the feedback been then from residents there? Because you mentioned sort of disruption, you know, projects as they might've been in the past that have taken a long time to to now a, a different approach with off-sites. What's the feedback been?
0: I think it's necessary to say that the first pilot still took quite a long time. And the first residents in the first 10 homes, which was my project when I was at Nottingham City Homes, they When we engaged them about this initially, they saw these videos that we showed them from the Netherlands and they went, yeah, that looks really exciting. We definitely want this. And I think our expectations were probably quite high of how developed the industry was in the UK at the time. And um, so we probably didn't prepare them that well for the fact that it was going to be quite a lengthy process of preparation ready for these panels to be flown on with cranes which did happen on the first pilot but it took quite a lot of work to get the foundations right and to sort of do the preparatory work but they were really good about it and they worked because they were the first pilot i think they were quite excited about being part of this project and they worked as a bit of a team with the solution provider and with us And the feedback was fantastic around the warmth and the comfort they had after the project had been done. And typically we have found that. And as this, particularly in Nottingham, where the same solution provider and housing provider partnership has continued and they are now on a a fifth phase of works. And they're doing 80 homes in this phase. And each time they've had learnings and they've made the process much more efficient. They're now insulating a whole terrace in a day. And in some cases where they're insulating bungalows with off-site facades, they're not even having to use a crane. So the process has improved significantly and they've got better at knowing exactly when they need to get into the property and when they can do things externally. So they're not disturbing the tenants. And the feedback is consistently good on those projects from the tenants. Interestingly, although they're happy with how warm their homes are and how comfortable they are, A lot of them, it's the little things and the little extras that actually make the difference. So some of the comments we've had around things like, my lounge feels like a penthouse now because they've got a bit of extra window space and a bit of extra floor space because the facades are put on the outside and then the windows are opened up to meet the new external walls. The ones that we had in London where the energy modules were part of a porch pod that was all installed in a day. So a concrete base was laid And instead of these energy modules going on just as a kind of a modular box with all of the equipment inside, the equipment was installed into one half of a porch with a separate door for maintenance. And the other half of the porch became a new entrance for the residents with a new place to put their shoes. And again, it's those little touches that actually really make retrofit appeal to people because it's improving their home rather than, compromising their home and taking up space that they
1: didn't have. Interesting. But are the houses vacant while this is all going on or, or lived in?
0: No, they're lived in. So wow. this is part of the reason for this 15-day limit and trying to drive off-site manufacture, because it means people can stay in their homes throughout the process. Right. Again, there are some differences here to the Netherlands because in in the Netherlands the craning was happening and people were just living in their homes the whole way through. But actually in the UK, on the day when the craning happens, the resident does have to go out for a morning or an afternoon. So what tends to happen is a bit of money is put behind the counter at the local cafe and residents can go and sit in the cafe for the morning and have breakfast or they can go for an afternoon tea and then they go back and their home's insulated after they've popped out for a few hours. Um, health and safety doesn't allow us to crane whilst people are actually in the building in the UK, which is absolutely right. Of
1: course, course. Oh, well, quite different. I, I remember my my grandmother's street in the 80s was modernized and going past these sort of empty houses with gaping fronts where the whole front of the house has been taken off and you know they're upgrading all of the all of the stock book for quite some time so yeah the advantages of offsite are of off-site are very clear there you mentioned about about this being built off-site to meet speed and convenience sort of factors quality being part of that there as well how is it for the partners that you work with then? For creating this? Has this been a, a real journey for them or is this, I imagine like it's a totally new product, but how is it? how have they found it?
0: Again, the differences from the Netherlands here were quite interesting when we started launching this. So they put together a collective commitment of 110,000 homes over 11 landlords in the Netherlands, and that was sufficient to drive uptake from the supply chain who said, yeah, that's an enormous number of retrofits that we've got to go out. We'll set up a factory. And we're actually off to Rotterdam with a group of UK housing providers and solution providers and interested parties in a couple of weeks to see those factories that set up several years ago and how efficient they now are. So we've got one which is called RC Panels, manufacturing offsite facades, and then one called Factory Zero, which is manufacturing these energy pods in the Netherlands. So in the UK, we thought, right, we'll do the same thing. And we got this collective commitment and we had a group of social landlords who said, yes, we're really interested in doing this. and We'd like to commit. But then every time we procured a project with them, each one was separate. And that was because of the UK procurement requirements to meet OG requirements, whereas housing providers are funded slightly differently in the Netherlands. So recognising this after our first few pilots... We sat down with partners Turner and Townsend and the GLA who were funding the Retrofit Accelerator for Homes programme under the Mayor of London and we said, how do we tackle this? How do we make this volume something that's actually real for the supply chain so that we really start to get the interest from these manufacturers who need to invest in different solutions? And we came up with a process called an innovation partnership, which is a, a fairly new procurement approach which enables you to procure something which doesn't yet exist. Right. So, we're in the midst of the innovation partnership now. We went out to open tender. We had quite a number of responses and we whittled that down to four solution providers. And they've been working with around nine landlords to begin with as the kind of launching partners. And there's another tranche who are going to come through and they work really collaboratively together, which is great. It was, again, it was another learning when we first went out to tender was we went out to purchase these solutions. And what we realized very soon is that the solutions didn't exist. And what we should have procured was a partner to develop the solutions. So that's what the innovation partnership is. It's about working in partnership to develop these solutions. And at the end of that innovation partnership, they work through prototyping, they work through a pilot phase where they do a few more demonstrations and then a scale-up phase. And after that, there's a 10 billion pound framework And any social housing landlord can buy these net zero retrofit solutions through this framework. So that's a really big goal. And because of that, we've started to see manufacturers moving into the retrofit sector. So we've got manufacturers who are building schools off site, starting to take an interest in this. We did a factory walk there recently And I think they're gonna be doing some prototypes. We've got a company who manufacture conservatories and roofs at the moment, and they're doing their first prototypes at the moment and then looking to invest in software so that they could turn around a retrofit solution within three days from scan to having it delivered to site. So those things are really exciting. This is really where we wanted to be. And it feels as though the innovation partnership has been the thing that has kickstarted that momentum in the manufacturing sector to really see that there is a certainty of that volume, if they do make that investment and make that leap into retrofit.
1: Yeah, you've you certainly cracked a, a lot of tough challenges there. It's. A lot of moving parts to get that all to line up. So uh, fantastic achievement there. It's something definitely to be proud of, and definitely worth it. You know, impacting so many people's lives, improving so many sort of homes, and hopefully setting a template up for the long run as well. You know, as you say, sort of trying to make yourself so that you don't need to exist anymore is a is an interesting way of thinking about it. Do you ever think? I mean, the funding model, and you say that the split responsibilities there of a social landlord and a tenant, all of that, and those parties involved make that work. Do you? think there could be anything born for the private homes, private sector out of this?
0: Yeah, I mean, we we do get quite a lot of interest. So every time we're in the news or anything, we have lots of people who are private residents contacting us and saying, I've got this particular type of house. Could you come and deliver a solution for us? And I think the answer is absolutely. That's where we think we should be getting to. But at the moment, in order to make this look like a market which is appealing, we're focusing on landlords who have a lot of volume of replicable properties and also properties which are the right type of property to retrofit easily with offsite solutions. So we've got loads of properties in this country. Most of them are social housing or right to buy, which I can come on to in a minute, that were built after the war. So they were built in the emergency manufacturing programme and they were off-site manufactured houses in the first place. So they suit them. They suit really well an off-site manufactured solution for retrofit. And it makes sense to start there, to start somewhere that's simple. And then as the solutions improve and they become more mature, you then start to branch out into some of those more complex, more bespoke properties, because actually you've, you've worked out exactly how you can make a very bespoke panel from a scan rather than actually basing it on something that's quite replicable. In terms of the financial model as well, there are differences for private residents. So social housing landlords, I think I said earlier, they tend to have a 30-year investment budget that they plan, whereas owner-occupiers and even private landlords, their investment is a lot more sporadic and it's much more on a sort of as-needed basis. When something goes wrong, they then replace it. So I think it's a really interesting challenge that we do need to crack in terms of what is the financial model for private residents? And there's companies that are looking at this, like the Green Finance Institute are looking at things like the PACE model, for example. So are there property-linked finance opportunities that can then loan people the money that then is paid back over a period of time? But again, coming back to that discussion earlier around the zero bills model with Octopus, you don't need something like the comfort plan as such, because the owner-occupier is the one that then makes the savings on the energy bills. So having elements of this like the performance guarantee or having off-site solutions which reduce the cost of retrofitting over time, being able to do street-by-street offers where the right-to-buy is actually picked up and the whole terrace is done would make it much simpler to actually deliver the technical solutions as well. So we really do want to do it, but some of those things are sort of next on the list to tackle. And they mean, we won't have to close quite as soon. Once we've managed to solve the social housing challenges, then we've got another one to move on to.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cracking the country's big problems one at a time. (laughs) (laughs) And when it comes to, I don't know, what's on your desk right now and then looking ahead, what's the thing that's getting you excited at the moment or what's on the horizon that's exciting?
0: So we've got five projects in the innovation partnership that have just been signed off by a past design stage. So it's really exciting to see those come to site this autumn. I think the heat pump ready project that we've got running to crack this comfort plan so that we really can offer this end to end comfort plan. I think that's really exciting. And I think looking at opportunities for creating a sort of financial model that's slightly different. So working with partners to look at an energy module that's perhaps not owned by the social landlord so that instead of the instead of the social landlord having to find that capital or borrow that capital and then the social landlord having to then get the comfort plan from the resident to pay back the capital, actually is there a third party that could do that with a low-cost borrowing as well? Those are the things that that I'm focusing on, I think, at the moment. And, um, you know, if we can get these five projects as demonstrators by the end of the winter, that'll be really great for kind of gathering that momentum. The other thing that's really good at the moment that's got us all quite excited is our first review of performance of the pilots has just concluded. So we've just launched a performance report and of around 173 homes that are completed or almost completed, we've had 69 of them. We've got four years data. So we've actually put that in. But after the winter, we'll be able to to do an update on that and then we'll start to see those numbers increase after that. But it's, it's really exciting that the performance report is showing such high levels of performance. And what it's proving to us is that this process of having a performance guarantee, which is a real shift for the UK construction industry, often... Particularly for retrofits, somebody will design a solution and then once that solution is delivered and installed, they walk away. And if it doesn't work in the same way as the design said it would, actually, there's no consequence. So having a performance guarantee has really focused the efforts of those designers and the solution providers to make sure that the homes do what they are expected to. And it's working we've seen we've seen homes that are generating more energy than the resident uses we've seen an average of 70 percent reduction and 70 percent lower energy consumption than other houses in in those areas once they've had an energy sprung retrofit and that's not counting the grid export as well
1: that's fantastic i I was having a read of that yesterday and and it's fantastically honest let's say what you put in there your organizational structure sort of uh, helps that but um really really interesting to see what's working maybe lessons that have been learned where you'll take this forward. Yes. Thanks. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, just to wrap us up, do you think, is there, is there any questions that I should have asked you or, or anything else you wanted to talk about today?
0: I don't think so. No, I think that's, we've covered a lot.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, we have. And, and, and that's been really fantastic. Um, thank you very much for that, Emily. Thanks for giving up your time.
0: Thank you very much for having me. This podcast was brought to you by Trunk, the dynamic scheduling platform for offsite construction. Harnessing AI to help your factory deliver more each day. Check out www.trunk.works to find out more.